We're going to be turning to Hebrews chapter 12, towards the back of the New Testament there. If you uh, need a Bible, there should be a black hardback one somewhere there in the chairs around you. You can borrow one of those. We'd love for you to do that. If you're online, we're glad you're with us, and we hope you have uh, a copy of God's Word there open in front of you as well as we study together this morning. And so um, our, our family, you may have heard or seen, our family recently was blessed to get to go on a family vacation uh, to Disney World. And uh, one of the days we were there, we were in the park. Um, we were in the park like all day long, you know, doing the whole thing. And uh, we're having a blast. And we can, we're come, at the end of the day, we we're coming out of one of the rides in one of those like an infamous Florida flash flood storms just kind of like came down on the whole place. And it was just raining cats and dogs. And so we're like, all right, we're, it's, you know, we, we want to kind of ride this. They had a little gift shop at the back of the ride. And so we kind of ducked in there with our girls. And we're kind of trying to wait for it to pass, which honestly, gift shop with three little girls is probably even more dangerous than the storm at that point. So, um, but nonetheless, that's what we're doing. We're kind of hiding out. We're waiting for this thing to pass over. And, uh, but it was, it was starting to get kind of late. Like it was getting towards the end of the night. It was time to go back to the hotel. And so um, it's, at one point, it seemed like it was starting to let up a little bit. Like it was starting to, you know, just a little bit of a drizzle. So we're like, all right, let's put the ponchos on. And we're just going to kind of make a run for it and get to the front of the park, get on the bus and go home. And so we, we poncho up and we start heading out and we're dodging all the giant puddles that are now everywhere, trying to keep our feet dry. And we get about a third of the way towards the front of the park and it just starts downpouring again. I mean, it's just straight torrential, like coming in sideways, like hitting you in the face and the leg, like the poncho is doing nothing at this point. You're just getting completely soaked. But we're already a third of the way there. There's nowhere else to go. Like it's just... You're just in it at that point, right? So you just kind of keep marching on. You just keep trudging through. And by the time we got to the front, we were completely drenched. Uh, we, but we endured. We got to the bus. We got back to the hotel. And then Courtney spent like three hours with the hotel hairdryer trying to dry out all of our shoes for the next day. We've been talking this last several weeks about the Bible and how it talks about our Christian walk, uh, or our Christian lives as a walk right, with God, and how we have to keep taking steps forward in Christ. And today, we're going to look at another passage that's going to press on this even more. But it's going to talk about the idea of endurance. That even when it's crazy, even when it's raining, even when things are coming down, and like you, you can't see your way through the storm, we got to keep enduring and taking steps in Christ. A couple weeks ago, we talked about taking steps in our worship of him. And making sure that our hearts are truly worshiping the Lord. We talked about taking steps of growing and learning from God and his word. We take, talked about taking last week taking steps of working for Christ. And being a part of the mission and being on witness for him. And all of that's important. But ultimately today we want to see that it's not enough if we don't keep going in those things. Day after day, week after week until we get to the place where we see Jesus face to face. So the passage today is going to press us on this. My walk with God only advances when I keep taking steps. Say that again. My walk with God only advances. It's only going to keep moving forward. It's only going to keep growing if I keep taking steps in Christ. Keep enduring in my following of him. So with that in mind, look at Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pick up in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And so the command that we have here from the, the writer of Hebrews um, is run with endurance. Right? And so this is really kind of just an extension of this illustration of walking with God, right? You know, walking is one thing, walking is good, uh, running is better, right? Because you get there faster, you get to the goal, you get to the prize, you make more progress. And so he's kind of extending this analogy out to say run with endurance. And so what the writer here is going to set up in this little couple verses is this picture of a giant stadium. Right, this was very common back in this day, like in Roman day, they would have these big coliseums and stadiums where they would have these great athletic competitions, and that's where the Olympics kind of got started, and they had several other games that they did, um, and they would have, where the people would come in, and the stands would just be filled with all these fans and all these people, you'd have all the athletes down there on the ground, and they would be running the race around the track over and over again as fast as they could, enduring to the end, because they wanted to get that prize, they wanted to be the winner, they wanted to get um, that, that goal at the end. That's the picture that the author is setting up here for us in our following of Christ. Is this running of a race where we have to endure to the end in order to get the prize. And so with that in mind, I see three things in this passage that he tells us we need if we're going to do that. If we're going to endure in our following of Jesus Christ. Number one, we need to listen to witnesses. He says that you have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding you, right? And what he's actually, the, the, the context there, we don't have time to go back and read it right now, but right before chapter 12, in chapter 11, we have what many people call the hall of faith, right? It's this big, long list of all these Old Testament saints who were known for their faith, their faithfulness to God, their faithfulness to um, following him and following his word, and so in the context, the immediate context, that's what he's talking about. He says this cloud of witnesses, he's saying all these Old Testament saints who have been faithful to God. But again, he's bringing this into this analogy of the stadium, right? So this cloud of witnesses is like all the fans up in the stands, right? They're there, but they're not just any old observers. These are a cloud of witnesses. They're witnessing to the faith that these people have in Christ, like the same Jesus that you're worshiping, the same Jesus that you're following, we followed the Messiah too. That's what we were waiting for. We were looking forward to the day that the Messiah would come, that you're not alone in your faith. This has been something that's been going on for generation after generation after generation. They're a witness to the faithfulness of the people, and they're encouraging them, and they're cheering them on with their lives and with their examples. I think about like back in high school or college, remember you always had like the athletic booster club? Remember, the, remember that guy, those guys, right? Like they, they were the ones that were there. They were raising the money. They were putting on the extra stuff. They were doing whatever they could to encourage the athletes to keep going, to win, to do your best. They were up in the stands with the cowbell, right? Anybody? That was just, I grew up in a small town. I'm sorry. That's just like, that was the thing, right? They're encouraging. They're, they're challenging them. They're pushing them to keep going. So when I think about this cloud of witnesses in terms of endurance, I would just kind of label that like the partners in the faith. And I think for us today, the way this works out is we have partners in the faith like this, but we also have some beyond this. 
Right? So first, we have the same biblical saints that they had. Right? We can look, hopefully, you know, you're looking through and you're reading your Bible and you're reading all these great stories of these people who have been faithful to God and have given their faith to God all these generations in the past. And that should be an encouragement to us. That this God we're following, this Jesus we're following, he's not some new fad. This is the God of the universe who has been around from before time began. The people have been worshiping from day one of creation. We are just part of this great line of faith. And we should be encouraged by that. But also we can be encouraged even by saints in church history. They're on the other side of the Hebrew writer here. But we can look back through the history of the church and how it's grown ever since Jesus Christ and all the saints who have carried the baton from group to group and made disciples and evangelized and brought more people in. And the church has grown and grown and grown to the point where now it's worldwide and reaching more people today than ever. Or we even have partners in the faith in current saints. Your church family. They're part of your cloud of witnesses. Your, your people in your small group that you're doing life with, that you're, you're praying for one another and you're talking together and you're studying God's word and you're encouraging each other, that's part of your cloud of witnesses. That you've surrounded yourself with some people who are on the same train, right? They're heading in the same direction. They're like, we're going to do this together. We're going to keep taking steps. We're going to endure in the faith. We all need this. We all need a community around us, supporting our faith and pushing us forward to endure and to keep running, to keep taking steps. We were never meant to run this race alone. And that's what the author of Hebrews here is pointing to when he's talking about the cloud of witnesses. Um, so I, I apologize. I know you all have been the victims of my, um, my love-hate relationship with running over the last couple of years, uh, and you've had to hear too many stories. Um, and so, but I, I usually run a couple times a week uh, to kind of just basically just to keep myself in somewhat shape as I get older, um, and so I can keep eating what I want to eat, and it doesn't show up on my body um, the way it would otherwise. And so, running a little bit each week, but I, I just I hate it. <laughs> like running for me is not fun. I know some of you like enjoy it. Some of you it's fun. Like my, where's my is Michael here today? Michael he ran he ran for like four days straight or something. I don't even know. Like I don't even understand how that body works. Like. Some of you, you, you enjoy it. I do not enjoy it, all right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a necessary evil for me, but I've been doing it. But a couple years back, so we were at this pastor's retreat, and it was interesting because um, we were at this pastor's retreat, and they organized this, like, amazing race kind of game in the afternoon, just kind of, like, give us something to do together and, you know, have fun together. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do, I can do that. Like, I'll sign up. I, I can do some puzzles and figure out some things and, you know, like, solve some riddles and stuff. Like, we can do this. So we get there, and we start the process, and it ends up actually just being like this giant scavenger hunt all over the resort property where you're just running. Like you just run here and they're like, all right, now run here, now run here. Now for like, we probably ran at least three or four miles as we ran all over this crazy thing for nothing. Like there wasn't even anything at the end. It wasn't even anything. But what I noticed as we were doing all that is I could run a lot longer and a lot further with everybody else in the group doing it together than I could on my own. Like, normally, it's just me running by myself. 
But when we were all doing it together, there was something about just the encouragement and the, the talking and the, like, you're not even paying attention to what you're doing, and so you don't understand that your heart's about to give out. Like, you just keep going anyways, and, like, you're just doing it together, and everyone is in it. That's similar to the picture here, I think, that we're seeing, is that to keep running this Christian life, we need others alongside us, cheering us on, even running with us, so that we're in this together and we're able to keep enduring and keep going. So when you think about your Christian life, I want to ask this question. Who is helping you run the race? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Who have you brought into your life? Who have you brought into the process that's helping you run the race? What testimonies of the saints are you reading and studying and growing from and are helping encourage your heart as you press through whatever issues you're experiencing in your life right now? What other people, your spouse, your, your church family, your small group family, like who are you letting in? Who are you sharing your life with? Who are you telling what you're struggling with so they can encourage you and you can keep taking steps together? Because we're not meant to do this alone. We need witnesses in our life surrounding us, encouraging us, keeping us enduring to the end. So the first thing is, listen to witnesses. The second thing we see in this text, look at verse 1 again. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Point number two, lay aside sin. Lay aside sin. He says here, lay aside every weight. So again, he's using this picture of a runner, right? And I just told you that I run sometimes. So like if I was going to like go out and run here this afternoon a couple miles, and I need to get myself ready, right? Like you have to prepare if you're going to run. And so I brought some of my running stuff this morning. So I got my running boots here that I'll put on, my big heavy boots that I'm going to use um, to run the race. I've got my, my big backpack here that's full of, you know, super heavy weights, um, as you can tell. And uh, that I'm going to put on to run the race with. And then I got um, my, my weights here. And so now, like, I'm ready to go out and I'm ready to run a couple miles, right? Is this how you run? You're like, Mike, maybe this is why you hate it so much. This is not the way you run. Like, you're doing it wrong. Like, this is the problem. No, he says, lay aside every weight, right? Like, he's like, you don't want that stuff. The runners, when they run, they want as little weight as possible, right? As little drag, as little resistance as they can get. So they can run with endurance and they don't have all that extra stuff on top of them. Are you tracking with me? Right? That's the picture that he's talking about here. But the weight he's talking about is not a physical weight. He calls it here, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. In our Christian lives, the weight that is holding us back, that's keeping us from taking the step, is the weight of sin. And the way he says it here, it's not just like one sin. It's not just that one big besetting sin that seems to keep coming back and back and back in our lives. Like, we all have that, right? Like, the one that we seem to struggle with the most. But he's using sin here more as like a category. That we have to lay aside every sin. And if you've been walking in the Christian life for very long, you know that laying aside every sin doesn't happen all at once. It's an ongoing, continuous 
lifelong process. That this is something we're supposed to be continually doing as we follow God, is every time he brings another sin to the surface in our heart, in our lives, we recognize it and we lay it aside. So we can keep taking the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And so if we're going to lay aside sin, that requires a process by which we can identify that sin and free ourselves from it. So let me just give you three things here that are important in this process of laying aside sin so we can endure in the race. Number one is be specific. Be specific. If we're truly going to repent of and lay aside sin, we have to confess it by name. We have to call it out for what it is. So oftentimes our heart wants to take our sin and camouflage it with some other word or term that makes it less offensive, right? Like, I'm not worrying, I'm just concerned, right? And we do this with, oh, I'm not, I'm not really lying, I'm just, you know, not telling them everything, right? And we try to reword our sin where it seems like it's not a sin anymore. But if we're going to really repent of it and lay it aside, we have to call it what it really is. We have to call it specific by its name and say, no, that is sin. And when that temptation comes against me, I'm going to recognize that as darkness and I'm going to get rid of it. Because when I pull the sin into the light, when I call it what it is and I pull it into the light, it loses all of its power. It no longer has this back door in my life because it's exposed. So the first thing we got to do is be specific, confess it by name. Second thing is to seek accountability. As we just talked about in the last point, we need help. We need support. We need other believers coming around us to help encourage us and keep us accountable. Like, no, 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 you said that that was done. You were going to lay that aside. We're not going back to that again, right? And to hold us to that. But here's what we found. You know, we've done small, I've done small groups for a lot of years in different churches. We do it here at Harvest. And we do accountability in our small groups But accountability is only really, truly effective if it's done correctly. And good, effective accountability requires three things. The first thing is transparency. Accountability will not work in your life if you're not willing to be honest and transparent about the sin you're really struggling with. If everything's always okay and I'm good and there's no no problems here, like I'm good this week. If you're never willing to really be transparent and honest about what you're struggling with, then you can't get any help. So it starts with transparency, but that's not enough. It also requires reciprocity. Because here's how it works, especially for men. I don't, I don't know about for women, but for men especially. I get in a group of four or five guys, and I come like, hey, guys, I'm, you know, this week I really was struggling. I yelled at my wife, and I was having this anger problem, and will you please pray for me on this? And if I confess all my stuff... And the other four guys are like, wow, yeah, thanks for that. We'll pray for that. Um, yeah, I got nothing. I'm good. Well, forget y'all. Like, I'm not telling you anything anymore, right? Like, like if you're all super holy and I'm the only sinner here, then I'm, we don't want to talk. We all have to do this together, right? It has to be reciprocal. As I share and then you share and then we're in this and we're praying for one another and nobody's acting like that they're a sinless person because newsflash, there aren't any. 
And so we're transparent and we're reciprocal. And then thirdly, the third thing is confidentiality. This is maybe key to the whole thing. This is kind of the foundation of it all is I have to know that what I'm going to share here is going to stay here. That I can be honest and I can be transparent because you're not going to use this against me. You're not going to go gossip to somebody else. You're not going to hold it over my head. You're not going to, you know, talk down about me to somebody else. Like, this is confidential right here with this group. And we're going to pray for each other. We're going to encourage each other. And we're going to help each other walk and take the next step in true Christ-like accountability. And so if you're one of our small groups, I just want to encourage you, man, like, make it like this. Hopefully you're already experiencing that, but if you're not, take the lead in your small group. Be transparent. Be reciprocal. Be confidential. Like, make it a place that God can actually use that space to change people's lives through the power of his word and his spirit. Which brings us to the third thing. The third thing we need to have to lay aside sin is to pray for power. We can confess it. We can even seek help from other people. But at the end of the day, most of the time, as humans, we do not have the power in and of ourselves to completely shed ourselves of sin. Because in order to truly lay it aside, that requires not just a behavior change, but a heart change. And only the Spirit of God can change a heart. So we need to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would come and change our hearts and change our minds so that that sin is something that we no longer even desire, that it's something that we're not not even looking at anymore, we're not even thinking about, because we're laying that aside by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you bring those three things together, man, that is so powerful to free you from that ongoing sin in your life that allows you then to walk and to run with endurance the race that is set before you. So I was studying this week, I was reminded of this man at a, a previous church that I was on staff at, and uh, I, I had been working with this guy for, for several years, or for a couple years, um, on discipleship, on helping him grow in his faith, and uh, man, he really, he did, he loved the Lord, uh, he really did want to grow, he really did, you know, desire to, to get his walk stronger, but he had this one sin that just kept weighing him down. It just kept impeding his progress. And it was the sin of materialism. But it looked different. And I think that's why it was hard to spot. He wasn't going out and spending all this money and racking up credit card debt and just like buying everything he could. But rather, he was obsessed with always making and having more money. And so he would take every overtime shift at the factory. He would work two and three jobs. He would have a two or three side hustles all the time. Like he was always working, working, working. Had to make more, had to make more, had to make more. And that hurt his walk because then that took him out of church almost every Sunday. And he didn't get to worship with God's people. It took him out of small group on a regular basis, where he didn't have other men he was praying with and growing with and walking with. He missed every men's event and men's retreat that we did because he just could never find the time on the weekend because he had to work this thing or work that thing. 
He never had time with his family to pour into his wife or to pour into his grandkids. Like, because he was stuck. And we would talk about it, and we would sit down and be like, man, this is what's going on. And like, listen, you've got, you got, you got to let this go. And he would say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to take any shifts this next month, and we're going to lay this aside. And, and he would do it for a little while. And he'd start walking with Christ, and he'd start getting closer to God, and he'd start you know, doing the thing. But he would always go back and pick it up again. He'd always, well, so, you know, this came, oh, well, we had this car thing come up, so i I got to get, get on it again. And so he'd start working all, this, all these extra shifts again. He couldn't let go of this weight of sin in his life. And so he never made the progress that he wanted to make in his walk. And it's sad. And it's not unique to him. What sin is weighing you down? What's the weight in your Christian life that you're needing to lay aside? What sin is keeping you from taking your next faith step? Maybe you're like my friend. Maybe it's overworking. You don't trust God enough to provide and to take care of all the things that you have to do or all the money that you need for this, that, or the other, and so you just spend yourself day in and day out working and working and working because you can't take that step of trusting in the Lord. Maybe for you it's substance abuse. And life is hard and struggles come and there's a lot of pain and I get that. I do. But instead of taking that step of faith and putting that pain in the Lord's hands and praying and asking him to move in your life, you go to this drink or this hit in order to deal with the struggle. And every time you go back to that and you stay stuck in that sin, it keeps you from taking that step of faith with the Lord and trusting him. Maybe it's just fear and worry for you. I've seen a lot of that the last year and a half. Crippling people. And they're so caught up in the what if, and I can't take this risk, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. That they're separating themselves from God, and they're separating themselves from God's people. Maybe it's comparison and envy for you. You're never satisfied, and you're never content with what God gives, because you're always looking at what somebody else has that you don't. Or what you want to be, or how you want to look. And you're so caught up in that idea and in that dream and that image that you can't take that next step of faith with the Lord and just being content with what he gives and being satisfied in him that he is enough. Or maybe it's just the big mother of all of them, which is just pride. God, I got this. I know you're there. If I need you, I'll call you, but otherwise, I'm good. I'm going to run my life. I know what I want. I know what I'm doing. I've got this under control. If I have a problem, I'll let you know. We never take that step of faith of truly being dependent on the Lord and giving him everything and letting him be Lord, letting him sit on the throne 
rather than me sitting on the throne. And some of you, you know, you, you are so faithful to church and you're so faithful to small group and you're so faithful to your family and you're doing all the stuff and you're checking all the boxes and that's awesome. God loves faithfulness. But even then, we have to be careful that we don't allow little idols to slip in. And that we're carrying all, maybe it's not one big thing, but maybe there's all these little things. Like all the time we spend watching TV or all the time we spend on sports or all the time we spend on social media or all the, whatever the little thing is that you're just giving all your time and attention to instead of to the Lord. And all those little things add up and all of a sudden you realize, man, you're carrying a weight that's keeping you from actually making progress. And you feel it. You feel stale. Like I'm doing all the stuff. Like I'm going to church and I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing the small group thing, but I just feel like I don't hear from the Lord. I don't feel like I'm, I'm in this like just dry place with God. Maybe it's because you've got a bunch of little idols in your life that you need to lay aside so you can take that next step of faith so he can lead you forward in your walk with the Lord. What sin is weighing you down? One more thing that we see here. If we're going to run with endurance, and that's the thing, guys. We're not talking about just like running for a minute here. Right? We're not, this is not a sprint. This Christian life is a marathon, and we have to run with endurance day after day after day. So we listen to witnesses, we lay aside sin, and then most importantly, look at verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Point number three, look to Jesus. It says, he says right here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I love that title. That's one of my favorite titles in all of Scripture. Because it reminds us of this duality of who Christ is for us in the faith. The first, he is the founder. Right? Do you understand that there is no Christian faith without Jesus Christ? There is no salvation without what he did on the cross. That is the foundation of all of it. Any other religion, any other denomination, any other church that tells you there's a way to salvation, there's a way to heaven, there's a way to God, short of Jesus Christ, is wrong. This is it. He is the founder of our faith. It all comes back to the gospel. Every one of us, we were created by God, but we were infused with, we were given this sin nature through mankind. We have sinful hearts that desire sinful things and cause sinful behaviors. And we turn against God instead of towards God. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. We disobey his word. We ignore what he says. We rebel against the God of the universe. And because of that, we deserve wrath. We deserve punishment 
from a holy God. But God, in his infinite love and mercy and grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to go to the cross and die for our sin. To be a substitute for you and me. To take the wrath and the punishment and the death that we deserved, and he took it upon himself, and he died in our place, and he went into the grave. Three days later, he rose back to life to prove that he was God and say, look, this is, this is it. This, it's all about this right here. If you will come, if you will believe in me, I will forgive your sins, and you will be saved. And in that moment, he founded, he started, he created Everything we need, everything we have to believe, if we're going to be saved and have eternity with he- in heaven with God. Jesus is the foundation. So it all started with him. He's the founder, but also he is the perfecter of our faith. Not only is he the one who started it, he is the one who will bring our faith to completion at the end. He's the one who will carry us, who will keep us walking. It's both his power that saves us and it's his power that sustains us as we keep walking step by step in the faith. It says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's maybe the best part. Jesus didn't do this. He didn't go to the cross. He didn't die in our place because he had to. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it because somebody forced him to. He did it for the joy. Because his eyes were on the prize. He was set on the mission that God had given him, and he wanted to fulfill that mission for the glory of God and for the good of mankind. And he found joy in that. He was willing to endure. He was willing to keep running the race through the pain, through the struggle, through the hostility, it says. He endured the full weight of sin and shame on the cross, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He endured all of that for the joy of the Father and for the good of us. It says that he was despising the shame. We miss this a lot because today for us, the cross has become just this great symbol of Christian faith, as well it is. But it wasn't that then. In Jesus' day, in Roman world, the cross was the most shameful thing there was. Only the worst of the worst were killed on a cross. It says Jesus despised the shame. He didn't care. That was nothing to him. He could care less because what he was doing was more important. He was enduring to the end to fulfill God's mission of salvation. And because of that, he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus ran all the way to the end. He endured. He finished the race. He finished the mission. And because of that, He alone 
is worthy to be king. He alone is worthy to be our Lord. Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. And so we look to Jesus. He closes with this in verse 3. He says, consider him so that you may not grow weary. Not just consider him as the example, although he is that. A great example of what it means to endure in the faith. But consider him, not just because he's the example, but because he is the prize at the end of our race. We're not just running to get to him. We're running because he is the best thing that we can ever have. The ever experience, ever be with, is in the presence of Jesus. We're running with joy this race. We're enduring through the steps because one day we get Christ in all of his fullness. Our joy will be complete in him if we endure to the end. So keep running with endurance. Keep taking a step. So I just want to close here. This is kind of the the close of this message and kind of the close of this series that we've been doing here on what it means to take a step in walking with Christ. But I don't want this idea to end with this series. I want this to be a theme for us over the entire ministry year where this whole year we are focused on what do I need to do to take my next step of faith with God and with Christ. I want to give you three steps to keep taking. They're not even steps. They're more like categories of steps or types of steps. Three areas that we need to constantly be assessing. Can I take a step in this area in this way? So number one, is a step of repentance. We touched on this earlier in the message. Some of you, your next step needs to be a step of repentance. You need to lay aside some sin so that you can run worthy of Christ. Over the last several years of our church, there's been several who have come at different times asking for counsel, asking for help. They're struggling with something in their life. As we start digging into their story, and we start talking about, well, what's, what's the problem? What are you dealing with? And they, they tell us, and we're kind of working with them. And we find out, well, the way they've been dealing with this problem is they've been into substance abuse. They've been drinking, or they've been, you know, doing pot, or whatever the thing is. Like, they're, they're doing something to cover up the pain and to deal with the struggle. And our first word to them is like, listen, the first thing you have to do, if you really want to get victory here, if you really want to get movement, is we got to lay aside this sin. And they have. And we've seen God move in powerful ways and move their faith forward in such awesome ways because they were willing to lay aside some sin that they were using as a buffer. So some of you, the first step you need is a step of repentance. you got some stuff you need to lay aside before you can even start walking further with Jesus. Number two, is a step of rooting. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Some of you need to take a step where you're just growing more in Christ, right? This is, these, are the, these are the things that anchor your faith in the truth of God's word and in the truth of who he is. This comes through spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, praying, growing. It comes being in small group and doing study together and encouraging one another and growing together. Like some of you need to take a step of rooting yourself 
in the Word of God so you can continue to grow. I heard a great story recently from one of our small group leaders. In our small groups, you know, that they've been going on, and, and uh, they, he's had this particular gentleman in his small group for several years now. And he's been growing, he's been coming, he's been faithful to the group, he's been doing great, but he's just never felt comfortable praying out loud in front of other men. And so every time they'd come to prayer time, that he would just, you know, all the guys, the guys would pray, but he would, just, he would just, you know, not pray out loud. Well, just recently, in the last couple of weeks, he finally got the courage to start praying out loud in front of these other men. And now he's doing it regularly, and he's growing in God. He's taking steps of faith. He's taking steps of rooting himself. And that's what we're talking about, guys. It's just, it seems like a small thing to many of us. But any step that gets us closer to following Jesus is so good and so important. So maybe it's just a small step of rooting for you. It's that next step in your spiritual disciplines with the Lord. Maybe the third one is a step of working. We talked about this last week, right? We need to be growing our hearts to want to serve the Lord and step further into his mission. Some of you need to take a step of making disciples. You need to be more intentional about making disciples of Christ. Maybe in your home, with your spouse or with your kids. Maybe it's uh, here at the church, right? Again, maybe you need to step into some leadership in a small group. You need to be an apprentice leader, or you need to be a small group leader, and you need to help be making other disciples. But it's not just adults. We have this in all age groups, right? Our student ministry could use some more volunteers to help make disciples of our teenagers. And, man, they're getting so many voices coming at them from all over. They need some good, strong voices here at our church that are speaking truth into their lives. Same thing for our kids' ministry. And God is blessing us with more and more families and more and more kids coming. Praise the Lord. But listen, we are not just babysitting around here. We are making disciples of those children. But that requires people like us stepping up and doing the work of serving God and helping make disciples of those children. So maybe you need to step into a step of working and serving the Lord in one of those areas or working in terms of outside the church and witnessing to others, sharing your faith, telling others about who Jesus is so they can come to know him as well. I was thinking this week, we were talking as a staff, you know, this, every time I walk into this new building, it's been three or four weeks now we've been here, every time I walk in, I'm just like, man, God is so good, right? He has blessed us. It's so awesome to have this permanent space where we get to to, to do ministry now. We don't have to set up and tear down every week, and we don't have to do 90-degree days in the trailer anymore, and we, like, we have a permanent home to do ministry all week long. It's awesome. But with the blessing comes increased opportunity as well. And that increased opportunity means more opportunity to work for Christ. I think some of us, we had in our minds that like when we went from mobile church to permanent church, like it was like, all right, whew, now we can relax, right? Now, now there's less work to do. We're actually finding that that's the opposite. There's actually more work to do because now we have a permanent space that we have to care for. We have more people to care for. We have more needs to meet. So in many ways, the work has changed, but it has not decreased, And so we need you. We need you faithful to Christ, faithful to the church, serving and working, taking those steps of working for Christ. 
So steps of repentance, steps of rooting, steps of working. Three categories for you to be assessing, like, what do you want from me next, God? What's my next faith step in this journey? Because my walk with God only advances when I keep taking steps. That's what endurance means. It means to just keep going, step after step after step. So what's your next faith step? You're going to get sick of hearing me ask you that question before the end of this year. What's your next step? Is it a step of repentance? Is it a step of rooting? Is it a step of working? Let's nail that down. Let's figure out what it is. And let's start to run with endurance the race that Christ has set before us. It's time to take a step. Harvest. Stand with me and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God, thankful, Lord, once again, to be here in your presence with your family, Lord, worshiping you, seeking you, God. Lord, we, we're so blessed in so many ways. But we thank you most of all, Lord, for setting, for sending Jesus and setting Jesus up before us as this example of what it means to run with endurance for your great name and for your glory and for the joy of the Lord. Lord, but we are weak and we are frail. Lord, help us to lay aside our sin. Lord, send the power of your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts and to lay aside our sin and to fix our eyes on Jesus as we run this life. Lord, please, please keep revealing the next step of faith that you have for us so that we can continue to follow you all the way to the end. Pray all of this in Christ's name.